you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. When I think of where I could be tonight, I could be in the hospital. I could be at home sick. I could be in the cemetery. But we're in the house of the Lord tonight. If you walked in on your own two feet, you ought to give God praise for that. I said, I'm glad to be in church. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. What an honor to be with your pastor and wife and, and family. We love them so much. And I echo the sentiments of my wife. Love this family dearly. Love this church. It's a kindred spirit. And uh, we appreciate this church so much. And uh, we had Dylan preach for us a couple, maybe a month or so ago. And uh, he preached for us on a Sunday and a Wednesday night. And just absolutely was used of the Holy Ghost, and we thank God for that. And we've got Gentry coming to preach for us here shortly. And uh, Spencer, I don't, I don't think we can get him because he's busy, busy pastoring these days, you know. But we love this family so much and appreciate them. It's great to see Brother Oliver uh, here tonight. We love him. And I want to thank our choir. Actually, this is not our choir. We're calling it more of a crowd tonight. We, we had people dropping like flies this morning. Uh, a lot of sickness, a lot of things going on. But I want to thank this group for making the trip to come be with us tonight. I appreciate it so much. Love these people. Love their sacrifice. Love their commitment. And we appreciate that so much. If you have your Bible very quickly, I don't want to hold you long tonight. I want to read from Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and 36. Acts 2 and 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel... Know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They came under conviction. How many know that sometimes we need conviction? They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Has anybody been filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you thankful for the Holy Ghost? You should never take the Holy Ghost for granted. If you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you ought to thank God every day of your life. I said you ought to give God praise for the Holy Ghost. You ought to thank Him for His Spirit that dwells in you. Then he said, for the promise is unto you and your children and to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. I want to focus in for a little while on verse 40. 
when Peter said, when the Bible said, with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. I would love to come to this pulpit tonight and preach on miracles and healings and deliverance. And I feel like they're in the house tonight. And there's no reason for anyone to leave the same way that you came. But it would it be a shame if we received a miracle and yet we weren't saved. It'd be a shame if God miraculously healed your body, but in the end you were lost. The most important thing that could ever happen to any of us is that we are saved in the end. I want to be saved. How about you? Now, this may be just a little different tonight. I don't know what you're accustomed to, but I want to be led by the Holy Ghost tonight. I want to preach for just a few minutes on this subject. Strategies for staying saved. Strategies for staying saved. Would you put your Bibles down? Lift your hands with me. Let's ask the Lord to have His way. Lord, we thank You for Your presence that we feel in this place. Lord, we're feeling after Your Spirit tonight. We're grateful that You've come into this house tonight. Now, God, I pray that You would use me to speak Your Word. Give us ears to hear, God. Change us tonight in Your presence, and we'll give You praise for it. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to preach about strategies for staying saved. A strategy is a plan. It's an approach. It's a method. It's a tactic. It's a line of attack. Strategy is a part of any successful plan or venture in life. If something is going to be successful, it's going to require that you have a strategy. Someone say strategy. In this nation, we've been looking for a plan to get us out of this financial crisis that we're in. Recently, I got an email that outlined a pretty good strategy, and I, I think it worked pretty well. This is what it said. Dear Mr. President, please find below my suggestion for fixing America's economy. You can call it the Patriotic Retirement Plan. Instead of giving billions of dollars to companies that will squander the money on lavish parties and unearned bonuses, use the following plan. There are about 40 million people over 50 in the workforce. Pay them a severance of $1 million apiece for early retirement with the following stipulations. Number one, they must retire. 40 million job openings, unemployment fixed. Number two, they must buy a new American car. 40 million cars ordered, auto industry fixed. Number three, they must either buy a house or pay off their mortgage. Housing crisis fixed. It can't get any easier than that if more money is needed than have all the members of Congress pay their taxes. I think that's a pretty good strategy. I like that. But I've come to tell you that no war is ever won. No life is ever effective. No business is ever successful. No marriage is ever happy without some kind of strategy. You've got to have a plan. And can I tell you it's the same way in living for God. If you're going to serve God, you're not just going to stay saved without a plan, without a strategy. You've got a purpose in your mind. This is my plan. This is my strategy. And I'm going to make it. And I'm going to be saved. Can I preach tonight that there is nothing greater in all this world than salvation. Being saved is the most important thing in this life. If we miss heaven, then we've lost everything. We can't afford to be lost and not be saved. Jesus said, what profit a man if he gains this whole world? But in the process of gaining this world, he loses his soul.
There is no question about what we have to do to be saved and to be born again. I believe that Acts 2.38 is still the plan of salvation. If you're going to be saved, you've got to come by way of repentance. You've got to come by way of water baptism in Jesus' name. You've got to come by way of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe in Acts 2.38, but that's not the end of the salvation process. If you read on in Acts 2 and 40, the Bible said, and with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to save yourself. You see, this salvation that Peter preached wasn't just intended to get us saved. It was intended to keep us saved. In fact, most of the New Testament, if you read it carefully, it is dedicated to instructing saved people on how to retain and keep and to hold tight to their salvation. Can I tell you that none of us are just going to stay saved. The flesh and the world and the devil are two powerful enemies. We have to have a strategy. We've got to have a plan if we're going to be saved. As a pastor in Addison, much of my time is spent planning and strategizing on how we as a church can keep people living for God, how we can keep them saved and committed and faithful. But it doesn't matter what we do. It's not enough if you don't come up with your own plan and you don't have your own strategy. Someone said if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. I don't want to plan to fail, especially when it comes to being saved. I want a strategy. Maybe you haven't thought about it yet, but I want to ask you tonight, what is your strategy for staying saved? What are you doing to keep yourself in the church? And I ask that because the enemy does not want any of us in this house tonight to be saved. The devil wants to take you out of the church. The devil would sidetrack you. He would distract you from your calling and remove you from the house of God. He's going to do everything he can to make sure that you don't make it. And so I ask you tonight, what is your plan? What is your strategy for staying saved and living for God? If you don't have one, you better get one. And tonight I've come to this pulpit to help you get a strategy for staying saved. I want to preach about some things that if you get a hold of it, I believe it will help you to be saved. Are you ready? I want to preach about some strategies for being saved. If you're going to be saved, you've got to be serious about being saved. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, Paul said, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and let us be sober. That word sober there means serious. We've got to be serious about being saved. We've got to be serious about living for God. I ask you tonight, what are you serious about? What are you serious about? Are you serious about your job? Are you serious about your family? Are you serious serious about making money? Are you serious about your recreation? But you've got to be serious about something more than just those things. There has to be a certain seriousness about living for God. If you're not serious about living for God, you're probably not going to make it. You're probably not going to be saved. The scripture talks about in 2 Corinthians 4 about an eternal weight of glory. An eternal weight of glory. Being saved has to weigh heavy upon us. Every day we wake up, we've got to think about being saved. As we're going through our day, we've got to think about 
about salvation and being saved. You say, well, pastor, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live with that weight on my life. Then you probably are not going to make it because being saved, you've got to let it weigh heavy on your life. It's got to be the top priority of everything that you do. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. I'm not trying to do a bunch of things. I have one goal in life, and that is to be saved. I am pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. I've got to be saved above everything else. People that are lighthearted, people that are relaxed and comfortable, they're probably not going to be saved. You've got to be serious about being saved. You've got to be serious about living for God. In Hebrews chapter 12 and 28, he said, Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. I just want to say that if you're saved, it's going to be because you were intentional about it. You were focused on it. You were deliberate about it. I can promise if you're saved, it will not be accidental. No one's just going to eventually just find themselves in heaven by accident. If you're going to be ready for the rest, it's going to be because you were intentional about living for God. You were intentional about your salvation. You were intentional about doing the things that God's required. You will have been intentional about it. You'll be serious about it. No one's going to accidentally make it to heaven. No one's going to accidentally evade sin. No one's going to accidentally do the will of God. No one's going to accidentally stay in the church. If you're going to stay in the church and serve God, it'll be because you were serious about your walk and your living for the Lord. You've got to be serious about this thing. You've got to be serious about this thing. If you're going to be saved, the second thing I want to preach is that you've got to keep moving spiritually. You've got to keep moving forward. Because even if you're on the right track, you'll still get run over if you're just sitting there. In Psalm 37 and 23, David said, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I want you to notice, he's not going to take the steps for us. They're simply ordered. He orders our steps as we walk with him. I've had young people come to me and say, What's the will of God for my life? And I tell them, Don't worry about it. Just walk with the Lord. Just walk with God. He'll order your steps. As long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, he will direct your going. You've just got to walk with God. You've got to keep moving forward. Can I tell you that God is not going to do it for you? God's not going to make you walk. You've got to exert the energy yourself. You've got to put forth the effort yourself. You've got to put one foot in front of the other for yourself. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to keep moving forward. The Bible talks about walking with the Lord, having a walk with God. This thing that we're involved in, it's a journey, and it's got a destination. But to get there, we've got to walk. We've got to keep walking. Someone said the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. If you want to make it to heaven, you've got to take one step, and then you've got to take another, and another, and another, and you've got to keep walking with God. There's no time in this thing to quit. There's no time in this place 
place to get discouraged. There's no place in this race to take a break. You've got to keep pressing forward for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ. I realize that sometimes moving requires action and it requires energy and effort and exertion. But you're not going to make it by just simply standing still. You've got to keep that forward motion. You've got to keep moving forward. I want to tell you that lazy people are not going to be saved. Idle people are not going to make it. Lethargic people and sluggish people, they're not going to be saved. If you're slothful and inactive and apathetic and indifferent, you're not going to be saved. You may be lazy about a lot of things in life, but you better not be lazy about your walk. You better not be lazy about living for God. You've got to put some effort into this thing. You've got to put some energy into this thing. You've got to go after salvation and say, above all else, I must be saved. Above everything else, I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Nothing else matters than being saved. If I'm lost, then I've lost everything. And when you're serious about staying saved, There'll be some things that you'll do. You'll wake up every day and you'll hit your knees in prayer because being saved is important. You'll push the plate away because you want to be saved. You'll walk into the house of God and you'll worship even when you don't feel like it because you recognize you've got to be saved. You'll protect your thought life. You'll avoid areas of temptation. You'll be faithful to the house of God. Why? Because I've got to keep moving forward. Why? Because I'm on my way to heaven and I've got to be saved. I've got to stay in the race. I've got to stay in the race. I've got to stay in the race. We've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep moving forward. There's no time to relax and take a break. We've got to keep pressing forward. If you're going to be saved, you've got to stay involved in ministry. You've got to stay involved in ministry. This is what I preach to my church. Everybody needs to be committed to some ministry within the local church. Everybody needs to to have a ministry. Ministry is so vital. Ministry is so important. The church can get by without your involvement, but you can't get by without it. The church is going to survive whether you do anything or not, but you may or may not survive if you don't get involved in ministry. Let me tell you what ministry does. It does more for us than it does for those that we're ministering to. I said it does more for me than it does the people I'm preaching to. Sometimes the only thing that keeps us saved is our ministerial responsibilities. I've got to show up because I have a ministry. I've got to be there because I have a ministry. People that don't have a ministry don't always feel the weight of responsibility to give and to be faithful and to be committed. And all of those things are vital if we're going to be saved. In 1 Timothy 4 and 16, Paul, Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Timothy, I want you to recognize that you need to take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, unto your ministry, and continue in them. I want to preach for just a moment that if God's called you to do something, don't you quit don't you back out of that responsibility you keep doing it because you're not only going to help somebody else to be saved you're going to keep yourself in the church you're going to cause yourself to be saved 
Stay in that ministry. Stay involved. Stay connected to the ministry of the church. Submit yourself to the man of God and come under his submission and authority and do something in the house of God. I'll be honest with you. There are times when I get discouraged. There are times when I get weary and tired of ministry. And there have been times where it would be easier, a whole lot easier to simply quit and just get out of ministry and I've often said that I'd be one of the best saints, and, and I, I would just, I would be one of the best saints in any church. But you know what? I fear that if I let go of the call on my life, I fear that I may not make it. I fear that I may not be saved because it's my ministry and call that keeps me in prayer. It's my ministry and call that keeps me being faithful. It's my ministry and call that keeps me doing my best. I've got to hang on to this ministry. I've got to do the will of God for my life because it's keeping me in the church. It's going to keep me saved. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, he said, I fear lest when I preach to others that I myself might become a castaway. The greatest fear of the Apostle Paul is that I preach to others and yet then I fail in the end. He was fearful of letting go of his call and losing out with God and being lost in the end. Uh, let me say if you're involved in ministry, don't you ever let it go. Don't you ever back away from it. You may find God directing you in another direction, but stay involved in ministry. Don't let it slip. Don't let it go. It's going to keep you in the church. It's going to keep you faithful. It's going to keep you grounded. It's going to cause you to be saved. Refuse to become someone who was once consumed with a call and a desire to do something for God. But now you're content to only come on Sunday morning and sit on a pew. Don't be that person. Don't be that saint. Stay involved in ministry. Stay connected to the church. Stay involved in what God's called you to do. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not involved in a ministry. You need to begin to seek God. You need to have some conversations with your pastor and find a place and do something in the kingdom of God. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart. It may not be some big position in the church, but it doesn't matter. God sees it and you need it. You got to get connected to the church. I said, you got to stay connected to the church. You may never sing in the choir and you may never preach from the pulpit. That doesn't matter. But there's a place of ministry for you. There's a place of involvement for you. There's a place where God can use you. Get a ministry. Ask God to give you ministry. And then don't let it go. Hang on to that ministry. I'm preaching about strategies for staying saved. You're going to stay saved. You can never think eternal security. You can never think once saved, always saved. You can never allow yourself to believe that just because you came to an altar that you can live any way you want and still make it. Or that you can sit on a pew and live any way that you want and still be saved. I want to tell you that none of us are ever above, above and beyond being lost. From this preacher to the very back, there is the potential for all of us in this room to be lost. In fact, that word lost alone ought to be enough incentive to keep us saved. In 1 Peter 3, he said, If the righteous scarcely, barely, narrowly be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? If we barely make it. 
You see, it's assumed by millions of religious people that once you're saved, it's impossible to lose your salvation. Well, I came to an altar. I repented. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I can't be lost. But I want to tell you that it is possible, even after being enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and been made a partaker of the Holy Ghost, and you've tasted of the good word of God, it is possible to fall away and lose your salvation. Oh, yes, it is. You can be lost. You can sit on a pew and be lost I have a scripture for your consideration and it's found in Luke 17 and 32 when he simply said remember Lot's wife that ought to be enough for us why because she looked back and she perished in the process Peter said wherefore brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fail if you do these things you'll never be lost give diligence give diligence to make your calling an election sure maybe this was some of the many other words that Peter preached about in Acts 2 and 40 I don't know but it's certainly a call to stay alert and attend to keeping and holding on to our salvation. Let me tell you, one of the easiest ways to lose your salvation is to think that you can't. To think that you can't. Paul said, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, pay attention, lest he fall. Lest he fall. If you're going to stay saved, You've got to realize that you can be lost. If you're going to stay saved, you've got to stay committed to the local church. I said, you need the local church. Touch your neighbor, say, you need the local church. In fact, I will go as far as to tell you, I don't believe that you're going to make it without the local church. I don't believe you can be saved without being a part of the local church. If you're going to make it, you've got to be a part of the body of Christ. And the only way to do that is to stay connected to the church. You can't disconnect from the church and be saved. You can't disconnect from the body of Christ and expect to be right with God. I have seen a body live without a member. But I have never seen a member live without a body. I said, I've never seen a member live without a body. I've seen bodies survive without hands. I've seen bodies survive without feet. But I've never seen a body survive or a member survive that wasn't connected to a body. I want you to listen to what John said in 1 John 1. He said, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now watch this. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. What is it that causes the blood to reach us and to connect with us and to touch us? It is our fellowship one with another. If we have fellowship one with another, the blood can touch us. The blood can affect us. The blood can reach us. Let me tell you something. You could sever my wrist, 
my hand from my, my wrist and set my hand on this pulpit. And that member's going to lay there and die. The body's going to live, but that member's going to lay there and die because there's no blood that's touching it. There's no blood that's affecting it. You say, I can live for God on my own. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need people to fellowship with. Oh, yes, you do. What you're doing is you're severing yourself. You're disconnecting yourself from the body and from the flow of the blood. Don't ever disconnect yourself from the church. Don't ever allow the enemy to disconnect you from the church. You need the church. You need the church. You've got to have the church. You've got to have the church. Our fellowship, our connection with the body is what allows the blood of Christ to reach us. Can I be honest with you tonight? Sometimes it would be easy when things aren't going right to quit and to leave and change churches. I've been there and I'm the pastor. Be easy for me just to. I've talked about it with some other pastor friends. Why don't we just trade places? Feels like it'd be a whole lot easier just to kind of trade places. Be easy. And if you've not been there, at some point you'll get there. When it would just be easy to disconnect. Go on down the road. Find another pastor. Find another church. Let me just say this. You're going to have the opportunity, if you stay here very long, to get frustrated you're going to have the opportunity to get angry. You'll have the opportunity to get your feelings hurt. You'll have the opportunity to get bitter. But there's something to be said about going through the hurt and dealing with the frustration. There's something about just planting your feet and saying, this is my church. This is my pastor. God called me to this place. I'm not letting the devil drive a wedge between me and the call of God for my life. God called you here. Then stay here. Stay here. You see, there are several things that happen when you stick it out. The first thing that happens is when you stick it out, it develops character in you. It develops character. It develops integrity. God's looking for people that have integrity. Sometimes when you just plant your feet and saying, this is my church, I'm staying, it develops character and integrity in your life. The second thing that it does is it builds respect. Respect. Our church went through an extremely difficult time 17 years ago. My wife and I are celebrating 17 years when we took the church. The church was a mess. Many people had left the church and abandoned it. But thank God we had some people that just said, I'm here. We had about 30 strong that said, Pastor, you're my pastor. Calvary is my church. And I'm not leaving here. So many people disperse. So many people left when times get tough. And you see, that's kind of what people do. They're looking for the easy way out. It's easy to leave. It's easy to disconnect. And we say, well, it's easier for my family if I do this. We make all these excuses. But you know what? I thank God for those that stayed. 
I said, I thank God for those that stuck it out. There wouldn't be a church in Addison had there not been about 30 people that said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not taking the easy way out. This is my church. Live or die, this is where I am. I'm not leaving. And you know what? I respect those people. I respect those people. Because when everybody else was leaving, it could have been so easy to disconnect. You stay, it builds respect. The third thing that happens when you stay is it deepens your relationship with God. Because when there are problems and struggles in your life, you know what it does? It ought to cause us to go deeper. It ought to cause us to go deeper in prayer, to go deeper in commitment, to to go deeper in our sacrifice. It deepens our relationship with God. The fourth thing it does is it keeps us accountable. We keep ourselves under submission and under the authority that God's placed in our life. And the fifth thing it does is it makes you more useful. I wonder how many in this house want to be used by God. Come on, let me see your hand. You want God to use you. plant your feet God says that's a man that I can use that's a woman that I can use they're faithful you see if you run when things get tough and they will get tough the enemy is going to make sure that you never stop running I've always said people that leave the church for the first time the first divorce is the hardest but if you leave once It's easier the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time. And if the enemy ever causes you to run, you're never going to stop running. I've got news for you. The same thing that you're encountering here, you're going to encounter in the next place. You know why? Because you're going to be there. Remember this, wherever you go, that's where you are. You keep running long enough you're going to say there's not a good church around and you're going to stop going to church altogether. Did you hear what I said? Let me tell you, it's the enemy's way of driving a wedge between us and the church. He wants to put bitterness in your heart. He wants to put unforgiveness in your life. He wants to cause strife and divisions because he's trying to drive you away from the life-giving flow, from the very thing that can give you strength, from the very thing that can keep you grounded, from the very thing that's going to cause you to be safe. Don't let the devil do it. Don't let the devil do it. If you've been hurt, let it go. If you're bitter, pray through the bitterness. If you've been hurt, get over it. But be healed. Be healed. Be healed. David said the righteous are going to flourish like the palm tree. They're going to glow, grow like the cedar in Lebanon. And now watch this. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord, they're going to flourish in the courts of our God. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, whose roots grow deep, whose roots go deep, they're going to flourish in the house of the Lord. You want to stay saved? You want to be be saved in the end? Plant yourself. Let your roots grow deep. This is my church. This is my pastor. I'm going to be loyal and faithful to this church. 
You know what the best thing you can do is? The best thing you can do is say this. Lord, this is where you planted me, and this is where I'm going to stay. And then refuse to leave unless he writes it on the wall. How many want to be saved? How many want to be saved? Come on, lift your hands right now. God, you see every heart. Lord, you see every heart. I pray tonight, God, that your hand would reach to those that are in this building tonight. And I pray that there would be some fresh commitments, God. I pray that somebody would make a fresh commitment tonight to live for you and to serve you. Even when it gets difficult, even when it costs us something, even when we feel like running, God, I pray that we would plan ourselves in this house. In your name I pray. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you say, I want to be saved at all costs. I want to be saved. I wonder, would you step out? Would you walk down to this altar and just lift your hands and say, Lord, you can count on me. You can count on me. God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands high. Would you do that? I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Above all else, I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Search my